everyone, and welcome to the next episode in our Thinking Thick podcast. My name is Amaris. And I'm Lola. And in today's episode, we are going to be talking about body insecurities. Whew. It's a heavy topic, guys. <laughs> it's a lot of a lot that goes into it. But for me, and I know for Lola as well, it's a topic that is super important yeah. and affects a lot more than I think people like to give credit to mm-hmm. and associate it with. And for me, that is super important as we're moving into this age of body positivity and learning self-love and learning self-care that we kind of have to take a step back and readdress the roots and why we need body positivity, why we need self-care. And a big root of that for me is our insecurities, stuff about our bodies that we don't love, Mm -hmm. that makes us feel a certain type of way that we need to counteract that with self-love. Here we are talking (laughs) about it. Body insecurity. What, What is body insecurity? So for me, it's what we see about our bodies, um, what we kind of pinpoint when we look in the mirror, when we compare ourselves to other people that we don't necessarily love. And I think that it's not realistic, at least in my opinion, to not be insecure about something. I think that every single person has insecurities about their body, things about their body that they don't love. And I think that's normal. I think that to an extent that's very normal because of the way our society has conditioned us. But then there's, you know, when you take that an extra mile and now your insecurities are holding you back Uh and they're affecting your day to day, you're not living your life to its full potential because you are so focused on these insecurities. Right. That it becomes harmful. Mm -hmm. It affects your everyday life. It affects your relationship with other people. It affects your relationship with yourself. And I think that in general is super important because the most important relationship you're ever going to have in your life is the relationship with yourself. Yeah. Right. So it's this subjective view of your own body and your own self um, in a way that could be looked at as like harmful Um, that affects your self-esteem or your well-being or your confidence. Yeah. So for me, I know I personally have certain body insecurities that in the past has stopped me from doing something. Mm. Um, And that's, you know, like that goes for a lot of people. Like I have a friend who is very self-conscious about her acne and you know like she has canceled plans um because that day her acne was acting up her makeup wasn't going on as smooth as she would like and those insecurities start kind of building up in your head to where the point where it can be like it breaks you down yeah and I've canceled plans because I was worried for example my friend wanted to go to Fright Fest Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and immediately my mind was like, do I even fit on the roller coasters? Like, are my hips too wide? Like, am I gonna be able to do this? I don't think I'm going to like, 
And how am I going to feel if people look at me and they're like, oh, this person's not going to fit this person, like all of this stuff, because I've seen people make comments um, when, you know, breakfast. Yeah. Or like at Six Flags in general. Really? Um, mm -hmm. There was this one. He was a kid too. He was probably like maybe 13, 14. Uh And he didn't fit on the roller coaster. It was Raging Bull. And he had to get off. Mm. And the entire line of people just started laughing at him. Oh my gosh. That's traumatic. Everyone. That's really traumatic. Yeah. And seeing that, I just got up and left. Because I was just like, I'm not going to risk that. Like, I just saw this happen to him. Like, I'm not going to wait for this, for the attendee to come and help me, like, buckle up and then not fit and then, like, laugh at me, too. That I just got up and I pretended like I was too scared to go on the ride. So, our insecurities can really mess with our heads. And even though, like, I'm a lot smaller than I was back then, like, it still stuck with me, you know, to where... Even like the thought about going on a roller coaster, I keep pushing off. Yeah. And it's like this when I like when I lose more weight, uh-huh. I will do it. Right. Like let me lose another 30 pounds and then I won't feel like I won't fit on the seat. Yeah. And I think you can do some emotional damage too. Like when I lose 30 pounds, I'll be happier. When I lose this weight, then I'll feel more confident and be able to wear the things that I really enjoy or really like so it's like has these very real tangible effects um because of the actions that you do or do not take and then also these like psychological like i'll be happier if i look like x y and z and yeah that's really hard yeah and i think it's hard also to acknowledge that that's not the case like you're not necessarily going to be happier when you get that stuff for sure yeah and I think that that's why it's important to look at these insecurities because a lot of the time it stems from something that's a lot deeper and a lot more emotional than we would like to give credit to Mm -hmm. so for me a big part of my life since I was probably like 20 to like 25 was when I lose the weight I will be a lot happier. Right. Like I was a lot bigger before and it was this idea of like when I'll lose the weight, when I lose a hundred pounds, when I get down to this size, if I get down to this size, I'm not going to feel insecure. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not going to hate my body that much. I'm not going to think, you know, like I don't have a neck because that's like an insecurity of mine. Um, Mm -hmm. Like all of this stuff. And realistically, when I did lose the weight, I was like, those insecurities are still there. Yeah. Losing it helped because I do think I look better. Mm -hmm. I get comments that I look better. So it reinforces that. But internally, sometimes you don't always feel better. Do you feel the exact same? Or do you feel like now you're like reaching out for a different goal or a new goal where it's like, it was, it's never enough. What do you mean? Do I feel the same? How do you feel now? Like, do you feel like it's the same situation that you're in when you, before you'd lost the weight? Cause you said it doesn't feel, sometimes it doesn't feel different. Yes. To a certain extent, because like I said, I feel like this, in, the weight insecurity runs so deep, right? It's like so, so deep that sometimes it feels like I can hit my goal weight and mm-hmm. my goal size, my goal size. Uh-huh. And I'm nervous that I'm still not going to think it's enough, but I'm not going to know. You know what I mean? And it's kind of like this idea of like, if I get to my goal weight, 
will I feel accomplished? And will I feel like, okay, everything that you wanted is like on plan is on track. And then I'm nervous that I'm still not going to be happy. Well, you did re- uh, reach some of your goal weights, right? Yeah. And what was the reality? What does it feel like um, when you The reality the feels like, yes, I'm on the right track, but I'm not where I want to be. So it's like a bittersweet. It's especially because, gotcha. you know, it's different because it's like, yes, I've lost all this weight, but like society still says I need to lose a lot more. Yeah. So, yeah. But like going back to body insecurity, you know, this idea of like, if I look at the example, like for myself, like, well, why am I so insecure about my body? And so insecure about this is because emotionally, it has a lot tied to it. So this idea of like, when was the first time I noticed this? When was the first time like this insecurity started coming up? Um, And it was when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why this one runs so deep, because it's something that I've struggled with for minimum, what am I, 27? So like minimum 24 years, Mm -hmm. 24, 23 years of my life. Mm -hmm. So when did that begin? I think the first time that I became really conscious and started developing like insecurities in my body was in kindergarten. Mm -hmm. Like that was the first time like looking back that I can recall someone making a negative comment about my body and how, and comparing it to other kids. And it was like, um, I was a kid in my kindergarten class and um, she told me that no one wanted to play with me because they were scared that I would sit on them and squish them to death. That's horrible. So, you know, that points out that my body and my physical appearance is different Mm -hmm. than all the other kids in the class. Different in like a negative way. In a negative way. Right. Yeah. Do you think ever since then you've been conscious of like how you, like your size compared to everyone else's or, or did that, what, how, what happened as a result of that situation? Yeah. I think that I have been conscious about my size compared to everyone else Mm -hmm. since then, because it wasn't only... And I think in different aspects, like I became conscious about my size in relationship to like weight and then also my size in relationship to height. And I think that that's something that I thought about a lot because I was like, okay, well, maybe I am bigger, chubbier, fatter, whatever you want to use than the other kids and adding on to it that I'm so tall, I look so much more bigger. Mm Mm-hmm. And then flipped otherwise, where, yes, they tell me that I'm so tall and all this stuff, but it's not a negative thing when they tell this other girl that's tall, but she's skinny. So it's this combination of I'm tall and I'm overweight. And now I'm like, supposedly the biggest kid ever known to man mm-hmm. to like roam these halls, you know? Yeah. Um. What about you? Like, do you have, like, I don't know, like, do you remember anything like with body insecurity? Um, I, I mean, I think I, for some, for whatever reason, have developed, like, developed body insecurity, like, way late in the game than the average person, I think. Honestly, I think that I was aware of my body probably around middle school. So not even, like you said, kinder, as early as kindergarten, for me, it was probably middle school, which is, like, probably way late than the average person, but... 
I remember like with the neighborhood kids, like we'd run around and um, I was such a tomboy. I wrestled with the other guys. Okay. <laughs> I wrestled the other kids and they would comment on me like wrestling them and dominating them, you know? And so I think that's when I became aware of things and more self-conscious, but then also um, I remember being like in middle school, being in the shower and looking down and I'm like, Oh my God, I could see my stomach. <laughs> like, Mm-hmm. my stomach is kind of chubby. So then I think from then on, that's when I started to really notice my size and compare to other people. And I think by that time I was already like really overweight and it was difficult because um, when I was really young, when I was born, I needed to be in an incubator for some, re- for some reason. And then when I was r- younger, like I didn't want to eat and they had to give me medication so that I would have an appetite. And so for my parents, they were like, we're glad she's eating. But they never taught me self-control. They never really taught me like proper nutrition. And so the entire time that I was a child, they were just glad I was eating. And it became an extreme where I was eating too much or mm-hmm. eating like the unhealthy things. But they were just glad I was eating. And when I would mention it to my parents, like, you know, like I need to lose weight or I'm oversized, things like that, um, overweight they would just be like, no, 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 you're fine. Like you're fine to eat whatever you want. And it was hard having that dismissed, but that that's more my, um, when that body insecurity started to come in and that's, that was my experience. Like I said, I think that it's very rare, if not impossible for someone to genuinely not have any body insecurities. And I think that that shows up and develops at different stages, different ages for everyone, mm-hmm. really just depending on their experiences, their culture, right. like their family environment, mm-hmm. like all of that. Yeah. And they're even like the individuals, like disposition and thoughts. And I, I read in a research once that kids begin to notice their body insecurity as early as three years old, which is insane to me. And I read that, um, on familydoctor.org, this article called body image, children and teens, but to to notice that at such a young age that's so crazy that you could become insecure that young three years old yeah I I don't think I remember anything from when I was three years old (laughs) I don't know if that's normal but yeah I don't remember anything from when I was three I I don't so I I think that that's that's really sad Mm -hmm. um and I think that now you're seeing it become I think that it's been an issue but you're seeing it become more of a prevalent issue because of social media mm-hmm. I think that that's like a big role in how kids are growing up and what they find normal and what they see and also in relationship to like what their parents find normal yeah. and what their parents like instill in them yeah absolutely I agree with that social media take play plays a huge role in that um especially with like the younger generation being so uh attached to their cell phones like there's mm-hmm. they're always comparing themselves to other people and not only other people or their peers but like models professionals whereas we compared ourselves to each other but we didn't have a device that we're looking at constantly to see like professionals and models and all these people to compare ourselves to that's really hard yeah. I'm so grateful. Social media was not a thing when we were growing up. I know. Unbelievably grateful because yeah. I would have been more of a mess. I know. I can't imagine these kids for sure. 
what they're going through yeah. with body image at such a young age. So this idea that, you know, like your insecurities can start at such an early age because of, you know, like, I think it's normal to compare yourself to other kids, mm -hmm. to compare yourself to your friends. And I think that it's something that has always been around, but I do, like we've talked about, um, I do agree that it just kind of gets heightened a lot with social media, with society. Um, because in that video from Allure, when they were interviewing young girls mm -hmm. about their bodies, you know, a lot of it was, I compare myself to my friends and I'm not as skinny as them. Yeah. And they talk about their bodies and they hate their bodies. And then it makes me think of my body in comparison to them. Mm -hmm. So it's like, if this person thinks that they're big, that they need to lose weight, that they hate this about their body. And when I'm comparing myself to them, I think that their body's better than mine. Mm -hmm. Like that gets internalized into you thinking really negative things about your own body. Yeah, absolutely. I remember in that same video, there was a girl who was like either seven or 10. And she was talking about how like, yeah, I avoid the mirror because if I look at it too long, I get like really, did you remember that? Like I get really upset and I don't like myself and I'm like, you're seven. That was the saddest part of that. You're video seven years me. old. Like, where do you get that? You know? Yeah. That's really sad. I think another huge role that plays into it is how your parents were. And like, if you had parents who kind of like were negative towards themselves or they were talking about how they don't like specific features on themselves. Like you're teaching your kids how to look at themselves. So then your kids would then have that struggle with, you know, maybe I need to change this about me or here's what I'm, you know, here's what I don't like about me. And you're teaching them to like focus on the things you don't like. I think that's, that's very true because kids mimic behavior mm -hmm. and they, you know, like it's the environment that you're raised in that shapes a lot of how you view yourself and how you view the world. So if a parent is constantly pointing out their own flaws, pointing out stuff that they don't like about their body, dieting to change certain aspects, a kid is going to grow up as seeing that as normal. Right. Like it's normal to criticize your body. And for me, that's something that like really holds true um, because my mom is like that mm -hmm. even still to this day. So there's stuff about her body that like she doesn't like and she's like very vocal about it. And it was normal growing up to hear comments about her own body, comments about my body. Mm -hmm. So it instills this you know, like subconscious belief of this, this is just how it is. Like we have these things about our bodies and we hate them and we will try to do what we can to change them. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's a very sad thing, especially like seeing, for example, my mom, something that she's insecure about is her nose. Like she always wish, wished her nose was like a little bit more like perkier, I would say, like not as like shaped down. Mm -hmm. Um, and she will tell me how that's an insecurity she had since she was a child mm. and she still makes comments on it. Does she remember like where that was like as a child, what happened or I don't think so, yeah. but I remember her saying that she would try and 
tape her nose up yeah to see if like the tape will like reshape it and you know like she grew up super poor so like she did like quote unquote what she could with like what she had you know and like retrospect the tape is not gonna (laughs) fix your nose but like when you're little and like you're poor but yeah I don't think I've never honestly she's never brought it up and I don't think I've asked her like why she felt that way about her nose I know her height because she's like 5'2", was also, and it's still something that she comments on. And I know that one is just because her siblings bullied her for it, because everyone is taller than her. Um, And they always thought that she was like small and weak. Hmm. So she always, you know, and even now she'll be like, if I would have been taller, I would have gotten a lot more opportunities. There's just a lot that she ties to it. Yeah. And I think that it's, it's really sad because, you know, like you have these insecurities since you were a child and you're a grown ass woman and you're still carrying those around. Right. Yeah. And I think that a lot of the times those insecurities get projected Mm -hmm. to someone else. So my mom doesn't like her nose. So she'll make comments on my nose all the time. Mm-hmm. And lucky for me, I like my nose. It doesn't bother me. And there's actually a funny story at one of my other jobs. This one kid was just being like, I didn't take it offensively. Like he was just trying to like get at me. And he made a comment about my nose. And I remember turning around and being like, oh, this one backfired on you because I genuinely love my nose. (laughs) So anything that you say about it, I'm like, it's not going to affect me. Thank you. But yeah, so lucky for me, I like my nose. But had I not liked my nose and having my mom project her insecurities of her nose onto me would have really been something that I would probably be here thinking I need a nose job. Mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um because she would come up and like just touch my nose a little bit she's like just a little bit if you get a little nose job and oh i'm like why gosh. don't you get a nose job mother like no one's stopping you now oh but, my gosh um yeah not nice <laughs> so no definitely not but like i said lucky for me it didn't that one didn't get to me mm-hmm. it's interesting how like you're even starting to see how like that affects your relationship with other people. Like she had that insecurity within herself and then that was projected in the way that she talked to you. And Mm -hmm. the way that my insecurity works and plays out with other people and how it affects other people is that I feel like, I mean, some of the things that I'm insecure about is like my stomach. Like I, I want to lose weight, but um, I'm also okay with where I'm at too. Like, um, but it's, it's less about me not liking who I am or where I am within my body. But I feel like it's more so that my insecurities that I feel like people won't want me for who I am. For example, in um, when it comes to relationships, I feel like I can get insecure. Like if I feel like there's somebody specifically like within the church, which I'm sure we'll talk, I'll talk about that eventually. Like if there's someone that I like in the church or somebody that um, is a Christian that I like, my insecurity is that they're not going to like me because I am plus size and I'm black. And so that's kind of how my, my insecurities, my personal insecurities kind of interact with other people. Do you feel like you, it affects the way that you do relationships with other people or the way that you interact with others? I think that in relationships, a lot of it is subconscious Um, so for like friendship relationships, I do find myself sometimes comparing myself to my friends. Vocally or do you, in your head, you're saying in your head, right? Mm, Vocally. Yeah. I don't think I've ever compared myself out loud. Okay. Um, 
but like I will like I'll look at how you know like maybe a certain item fits their body and I'll Ah. be like oh I wish I could wear that but I can't because of this yeah so something like that and it's even you know it it has if I look at it from that aspect it has nothing to do that one wouldn't have more so to do with like their weight or anything like that it's like their body shape so even if it's a friend that's like my size or like thicker if their body is like shaped a certain way I'm like oh I can't wear that because their body's shaped this way and it hugs their curves this way where like I don't have that Mm. so it's not like it'll be different things on certain people if that makes any sense yeah that makes sense because everybody has different body types yeah yeah exactly and then I think that is kind of the way that plays out in that now um you know I think I have a lot of those moments where in romantic relationships when they haven't worked out I think my first instinct is to kind of always place the blame on myself Mm. and my mind goes to the ifs like if I did xyz if I behaved xyz this would have worked out. And one of those ifs is if I was smaller. Okay. Yeah. If I had a better body, Uh if they would have been more physically like attracted to me, if they thought I was hotter Yep. and I'm placing, you know, like this value on my physical body that, you know, if I looked a certain type of way, I would have been more valuable to them. Yeah. And because my size is an insecurity, like it's, it's not, and it's, and it's weird because it's not an everyday insecurity. There's days where I wake up and I'm like really liking my body that day. And <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, you do a double take in the hey, mirror hey, and you're like, hey, I hey, see hey. you. <laughs> like, I'm just like, damn, I'm not like, I'm cute. Yes. <laughs> and then there's other days where I look at myself in the mirror. I'm like, I'm butt ass ugly. Like, how do I go outside looking like this? You're like, I'm. For me, it's like, I'm a potato. I'm a potato. Today. I say that That's all it. the time. Today, I'm a potato. Yep. <laughs> I literally am like, I'm a potato. <laughs> Not even a French fry, just a potato. <laughs> but yeah, so in those moments, it's if I would have been this, if my body would have been this way, mm-hmm. they would have placed more value on me. Therefore, the relationship would have worked. But then I think also... When that does happen, and it's only happened, that aspect has only happened once. Like, my mind going to that has only been once with one, not even a relationship, with one guy I was seeing. Mm -hmm. And I had to recognize that and recognize that that's where my mind was going. And that was not okay because it's not the truth. Yeah. And that's when I had to make this conscious, very, very conscious effort of walking myself back from that ledge Mm -hmm. of being like, realistically, Amaris, if he wouldn't have been attracted to you, if he wouldn't have been attracted to your body, he wouldn't have had sex with you. Mm -hmm. Like that's realistically what it was. And it was like, not only would he not have had sex with you, he wouldn't have held your hand in public. He wouldn't have like hugged you in public wrapped you know what I mean like none of that stuff would have happened had he not found me physically attractive and I think it's very easy for us when 
stuff happens, when situations get very hard to want to pinpoint a certain aspect of ourselves that we look down on or that we want to fix with the idea of if I were to fix it, things would have been better or things would be better. Right. When in reality, in that situation, it had nothing to do with me. Right. Yeah. So I guess that leads well into one of the questions that I'm interested in discussing too is like, how do you, in light of all these insecurities that we talked about, the body insecurity, how do we get responsible um, about them? Or how how do we own our insecurities and what role do we play in perpetuating them? Yeah, I think that's really important. I think the first step for me has been, like I told you, when I think of body positivity, everything, it's like a big umbrella, right? Like I described it to you as like an umbrella. Mm-hmm. And for me, one of the roots is body insecurity. So for me to move forward and to try to understand that I really need to be honest and acknowledge. And for me, that comes in different aspects. You have to honestly look at the environment yourself, your like mental perception of things. And you also have to acknowledge that society plays a big role mm-hmm. and kind of make a conscious effort to not buy into it. Yeah. Like, yep. It's a billion dollar industry. Mm-hmm. Makeup companies, cosmetic companies, plastic surgery businesses, all of that stuff makes money off of our insecurities. Right. And this idea of um I told you about the book that I was reading and by reading I mean audible because <laughs> I haven't had time to physically pick up a book. Um, it's by Jess Baker. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Alition Baker? Yep. yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So the book is called Things No One Tells Fat Girls. And what I loved is she brought up this idea that you're never going to attain the society standard of beauty because it's always changing. Right. And the reason it's always changing is because it needs to to include you to a certain extent. So what do you mean by that? Yeah. This idea that it's attainable if you keep working towards it, but you're never going to attain it. Okay. So they keep you like, it makes it so the beauty industry is somewhat realistic so that you try and attain it, but it's not realistic enough that you can actually achieve it. And they're always changing things Mm -hmm. so that you're never actually there, but that you're still trying and you spend money and you spend your mental energy. And yeah, that's wild. Yeah. It was very like that meme or like the person is doing math. Like Uh that was my face when I was (laughs) listening to her. Cause I was like, yo, she's so right. Because the society definition of beauty has evolved. Absolutely. It has evolved a lot, which is a good thing. It's like including a lot more. But then, you know, for example, because I know this is something that like I've talked to you about Mm -hmm. this insecurity that I have where I am plus size, but I'm not the acceptable plus size. Right. Okay. So yes, society now is moving towards considering plus size beautiful, Uh but now you still have this added restriction. Yes, plus size is beautiful. Yes, like you can do this, but you still need to attain the proper plus size. Yeah, like I need to be the 
the bigger person who has the flat stomach. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, that's something that, you know, is very true. Like, yes, I'm still plus size, but like in my head, I'm like, I need to be like the 14, 16 plus size. Mm. Like this idea where like I have the curves, but I'm proportioned yeah. and I'm toned. Okay. And I have all this stuff, which has been told to me. Yeah. Like this modeling agency for um, this one company that I went to like an open casting where like your height is great, everything's great, but like a standard plus size model can't be bigger than a 12, 14. Oh my God. So it's like you're plus size, but you're not the right plus size. Right. And we need, and like they told me, they're like, we'd never want to tell you to lose weight, but I'm like, I get it. That's what they said. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. They're like, we never want to tell you that you should lose weight, but we just want to let you know that like the standard plus size model is a 12 and 14. And if I send you out to a casting, you're not going to get cast. Oh my God. That's so annoying. So this idea of like, great, we're moving in the right direction, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's, There's still, it, mm-hmm. it still has its limitations. Yeah. And it's still not representative of what plus size actually looks like. Yeah. So, and I think that you need to acknowledge that and you need to realize that, Our insecurities, a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them are placed there with the mindset of benefiting someone else. Mm -hmm. They don't benefit us. They hinder us. They really stop us from being able to apply for the jobs that we want, go after the people that we want, travel. Like before, like I was so insecure about my body that I refused to travel. Like Mm -hmm. I refused to go on an airplane. And I think that, you know, like acknowledging that and making that conscious effort of being like, I'm not going to let someone benefit from making me feel bad about myself is one of the first steps. Okay. Yeah. So I think that the, the role that we play, which is somewhat what you were talking about, is the fact that we cultivate or we're agreeing with the stories that we made up about ourselves or that society has made up about who we are, you know, our size being plus size. Um, and I think that we like to be attached to that like negative thought about ourselves because they it's easy. It's natural to think like, oh, I can't, like I'm plus size and I can never do this. And I don't know. I think that we also have a, like, we, we, we get to be right about what society says, you know, like the role we play is that we agree. We, we don't even challenge those thoughts. And so I think the thing that we need to do is just like challenge those ideas, right. Instead of just agreeing with them and and being like almost, I don't want to use that mentality, but just kind of like living life being like, well, I'll never be good enough because I'm plus size or I'm never good enough because that's not what, because society doesn't tell me I'm good enough. Like I think in the, in that situation, we get to be right about like what society says about us. And you're, you're almost in this like victim and dismissive per- like cycle. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think that then we also have a right to be angry. Like I'm angry because people don't consider me because I'm plus size. And, and I think that that's the role that I get to play. For example, with the, with what I was talking about with people not liking me because I'm plus size or because I'm this color, like it, I get to be justified in my anger about like, mm-hmm. oh, this person doesn't like me because I'm this and that and that's not fair. And that's, you know what I mean? I, th- I, th- I think that that's the role that I get to play or that I do often play. Um, and I think my responsibility is just like really being well acquainted, like you said, with my own thought patterns, with what society says about me, like being aware of what is out there and being aware of what society says so that you can like combat that or challenge that. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's somewhat of the responsibility 
And then also having people in your life who will like listen gracefully and also call you out lovingly. You know, when you're you're wanting to get back into that role of like, I get to be justified in my anger because people don't like me because I'm this, you know? So like, I'll have friends. I think I've said this in another episode or I've said this to you before where like, I'll have friends who I can like talk to about the situation and be like, is this just me? Or is it, is this what's actually happening? And so, um, yeah, I think that, Another thing I could do or another thing that another way I can be responsible is, yeah, challenging those conversations, having people in my life and what that looks like practically. I wrote down an example is that, for example, like I don't like, you know, the weight that I'm at now. And I think that um, then I would change the language and conversation that instead of being like, I don't like the weight that I am right now, just being like, I'm uncomfortable now and this is where I'm at. But instead of it being like, I want to try all these diets, instead of thinking about things in terms of terms of diet being like I want to change to be healthier like I want to be more healthy and I want to challenge myself to be stronger and to be to have like a sustainable life so adding a positive yeah and replacing that negative right like challenging those thoughts and challenging those agreements that you make that like make you be right and and justified Mm -hmm. you know what I mean in your anger or in your this is unfair Mm -hmm. sort of mentality yeah, I think for for me, I think that like one of the steps that I have been doing when I tell you like I have to walk myself off that off of that ledge, right, is kind of just like a graceful sort of state of acceptance. Kind of what you said, like this is where I'm at right now. Mm. And for me, something that has been really hard, but I'm trying to learn how to do is how to gracefully accept that and how to not look at that as something that I'm going to let hinder myself and you know like a good example was I was gonna go out to a festival with a friend and I wanted to wear this top and it was a little bit short on me because I wasn't wearing it with a skirt I was wearing it with jeans and so it showed like a little bit of my midriff I didn't like the way my bra was giving me back fat rolls and I was getting like a little subconscious but at the same time I really wanted to wear this top Mm -hmm. and I remember looking in the mirror and I was like, well, this is my body at its current state. Nothing that I can do within the next hour before we have to leave for this event is going to change that. And I accepted that. And I was just like, I want to wear this shirt. So I'm going to wear this shirt and I'm not going to give into that insecurity and I'm not going to let it stop me from doing something that I want to do. And for me personally, that's like my first step. And then my second step on counteracting those thoughts and counteracting those feelings is, you know, a state of being thankful for my body the way that it is. Like, yes, there's things that I want to change. And yes, there's things that like I would like to improve on, but I'm also like very thankful for my body because I'm insecure about my arms because my arms are super flabby, but I'm also super thankful for my arms because I get to write and I get like to play my guitar and it would be a lot harder to do, not impossible, but it would be a lot harder for me to do that without my arms, you know, Mm -hmm. and all this stuff. And I think that that's very, very important to me. So like those two things is what I'm working on. And kind of how I'm working towards that. And I think I need to get better at your thing, which is changing the way I speak about it. Mm. Like, I think that you're a lot better at that than me versus like, I'm like, like talking about 
your body in a not so negative way mm-hmm. versus when I tend to vocalize, I vocalize a lot of the negative and mm-hmm. I internalize a lot of the positive. So we're like everything that like I'm saying I do, like I tend to do and I tend to say to myself. Okay. Versus like in the moment, the stuff that comes out about my body tends to be negative. Like right. my initial reaction. Yeah. Like that initial thought, if I see a picture, I'm like, oh, that's disgusting. I look huge, you mm-hmm, know? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something I need to work on. So you're saying what you do currently is like, you'll say the negative things out loud, but then all the good things that you might think you say inside. Yeah. Because like I, like I told you, for me, it's a process. Yeah. Like my mind races and it gets me to that ledge and I keep using that like visual. That's how like I'm picturing it in my head. Like it gets me to that ledge and I have to be very conscious to walk myself back. Like I have to be like, this is what you're thinking right now. This is what you need to be thinking. A quote. Um, so it's by Glennon Doyle Melton, who is a two-time New York Times bestselling author. So the quote that she said that I loved was, stop spending all day obsessing, cursing, perfecting your body like it's all that you've got to offer the world. Your body is not your art, it's your paintbrush. Whether your paintbrush is a tall paintbrush or a thin paintbrush or a stocky paintbrush or a scratched up paintbrush is completely irrelevant. What is relevant is that you have a paintbrush which can be used to transfer your insights onto the canvas of your life where others can see it and be inspired and comforted by it. And I was like, why didn't I write this? Yeah. It was so beautiful. And I think it goes with what I tell myself that, you know, like you have this body that you are able to do stuff with. Yeah. And for me, that's a state of just thankfulness because in reality, not everyone gets that. Mm-hmm. Not everyone gets to have my body for better or for worse. Mm-hmm. Like I'm the only one that will ever have this body. Right. I think it also shows the reality that like your body is important, but it's not ultimate, right? Like it's more important to build your character and like your morals and who you are as a person than it is to focus so much on your body. Like I do think that the the concept of um, body insecurity is important, but the thing that's most important about that is what you're internalizing. Mm-hmm. And so it's most important what you're like about like who you are and, and and how you function and like how you express yourself more than it is like the physical insecurity. Right. Right. And I think that's what I like about that quote is that yeah. like the, the thoughts and the perceptions and who you are really paint your, like your body. Oh, cause she's talking about a paintbrush <laughs> and you said paint. Oh my God. <laughs> But no, I completely agree. And that's why I was just like, yes, like body insecurity is super important. But what's the root of it? Yeah, like this is the root of it, you know, and you need to acknowledge the root before you can start working your way to something better. Mm -hmm. And I do agree with what you said, like your character, your values, like all of that is way more important. Right. And I don't remember the quote exactly, but I know JK Rowling was um quoted saying something that woman's wild but go ahead (laughs) why is she wild (laughs) but it was a quote like along the lines of like why is fat the worst thing someone can be Mm -hmm. like there's so much worse things that you can be than fat and I know that like for this episode I've talked a lot about like you know like weight and my body as an insecurity because that is an insecurity but insecurities you know like I've said before, everyone has them and they're different for everyone. Mm -hmm. And it's something that transfers like race, gender, class, 
everything. Guys are insecure. And it's probably a lot harder for them to be able to express it just because of the culture that men are raised in, uh-huh. where women are a lot more able to be vocal about their feelings. Yeah, in the US at least, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, like that's also something that mm-hmm. it affects everyone. And it definitely is universal to some extent. The insecurities vary person to person, but we all have them. And I think that we've got to acknowledge them and we've got to talk about them because I know I expressed to you that that's not something that I want to instill in my children. Right. Yeah. Like I know they're going to have them because it's normal, but I think that going off of what you said, the way you vocalize it Mm -hmm. is going to be super important. Yeah. And I think even the way that you correct it, like if you, I think it's even more helpful if you see, if you, catch yourself slipping with what you're saying and then correct yourself because then that'll edify not only you, the person who's saying it, but maybe the other person who is hearing it too. Because if you say something like, ooh, I don't like the way that my arm looks, the other person might think like, oh, is my arm weird? Like, should I focus on my arms? But then if you say something like, ooh, my arm's weird, and then you're like, you know what? Like, blah, blah, blah. And you correct yourself. Like, it's that same effect of um, the other person's like, oh, yeah, like, I should be like you were talking about your arms and you being thankful. And if you vocalize that thankfulness, it's like, oh man, like even though I might be insecure about X, Y, and Z, I can also be thankful about X, Y, and Z because it allows me to do this. So yeah, I think that that's a good point to like challenge it and even vocalize that too. So yeah, body insecurity. (laughs) Oh, it's a heavy, it's like a heavy topic. It's a low key intimidating to talk about. It's really intimidating. Yeah. Yeah. It's very intimidating because you're being vulnerable about something that you don't like about yourself. Right. I know we've brought up like a lot of quotes, but one that I genuinely do enjoy is Sophia Bush's quote. Oh yeah. Where you're allowed to be both a masterpiece and a work in progress yes. at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, that's something that I really liked it. Mm-hmm. I think that it speaks like volumes on how we should aim to feel about our bodies yeah. and about ourselves in general. Right. Like in life, just being content where you are while also wanting more is like the ultimate life lesson. Not the, but it's one of the like mm-hmm. biggest life lessons. I agree with that. It's been a good episode. It has. <laughs> Uh, yeah, follow us on Insta at Thinking Thick. Follow us on Twitter at Thinking Thick One. Or ask any questions you might have at our Gmail, which is Thinking Thick Podcast at gmail.com. You could also DM us on Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> yeah, do it. <laughs> well, all right, guys. Thanks Bye. for listening. Bye.